1: Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today, our special guest is Tracy Herbert, who is a leading authority on health and wellness, a transformational health and longevity coach, professional speaker, best-selling author, host of the Longevity Codes podcast, and diabetes advocate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm Mary Elkins. Tracy is also a sought-after speaker and frequent guest on TV shows, we're going to delve into her story today and hope to get some great tips for you. Welcome, Tracy.
2: Oh, thank you all so much. It's great to be here. It's great to have you.
1: Yeah, I love that you're coming to us from Texas today. <laughs> I love that accent. Yeah. Okay, tell us a, a little bit about your background so we know how you arrived at, at your current story.
2: It all started when I was 17 years old. I'm not 17 now, oh. but bear with oh. me. <laughs> but it Our all started. YouTube audience will know that. <laughs> yes, yes. But it is funny when I'm speaking to large audiences, they all look at me like she's not 17, <laughs> but I was 17 <laughs> in the ICU fighting for my life, and the doctor walks in. He puts his hands on his hips, and he says, "Young lady, you've got juvenile diabetes." You're going to be dead in 20 years. You're going to die with horrible complications. You're never going to be able to have children. And you have to take multiple shots every single day for the rest of your life. And he turned around and walked away. He walked out of that what a little great doctor. Hospital. That's horrible. I know, right?
0: horrible. Horrible. That,
2: that was the best thing that ever happened to me because my story mm-hmm. continues. I had to stay in the hospital for about two weeks because I had to learn how to give myself shots. You know, I'm 17, learning a whole new lifestyle, how to eat what I can and cannot eat. And my friends and I were going to go to a movie about a week or so after I got out of the hospital and it was National Lampoon's Animal House. I think y'all are probably old <laughs> enough to remember Animal House. Oh, and Yeah. You know, as I was running out the door, getting ready, my mom said, Tracy, remember, you can't eat anything. And she didn't say that to be mean, y'all. She didn't say it because we didn't have the money, but she was helping me learn what I could and couldn't do. Because back then it was on what I call the starvation diet with diabetes. And I went into the, to ask the concession stand clerk, if I could have just a small cup for a drink of water, you know, the water fountain. And she looked at me like I was from outer space. And she said, no. And I said, oh, I'll be glad to pay for it. And she said, no. And I ran out of that movie theater crying, sobbing as hard as I could saying, why me? Why me? And I went home. My mom knew something was wrong, but she gave me the space that I needed. I'm 17, had a whole life. I thought out looking, getting ready to go to college and doing all the things that normal 17 year old seniors in high school do. And I laid in bed and I cried for, it seemed like several hours. It was probably just a few minutes. And I said, Tracy, you've got two choices. What are they going to be? I said, out loud, I can be better or I can be bitter. What am I going to choose? And I said, I'm going to be better. And I've stuck with that for now, 46 and a half years later. I'm still living every day being better And not bitter because that was such a horrific thing and this doctor these medical team people nobody gave me hope and i started going to a knoco college medical school library and of course i was just a punk kid in high school and they let me in because i was very quiet this was way before the internet you know like in the movie theater we didn't have bottled water diet soft drinks or anything And I started taking notes and started researching at that time what people did to live healthy with diabetes. And I started doing different things on myself and it just transformed my life because I started saying, I'm in control a little bit, not a whole lot, but I started learning something every day. And to this day, I still research every single day tips that we can be healthy. Craziest thing. Well, talking about, talking about control. What's the number
0: one key to taking control of your life? What did you do then? And what do you do now? Of your
1: health. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: I, yeah. I your health. It's, it's it actually control down of to, your life and health. health. There you go. Yeah. Life. Cause without life, you know, I don't want to just take control of my yeah. health because I want to live my life and do it to an abundant, you know, but it was three things that I have boiled down. In the last probably 25 or 30 years, after all the research, I kept seeing the same thing. And these three things, if you don't remember anything else, remember these three things, mind, you have to have the right mindset. Know you can do what you need to do. And that's turning down certain foods. That's getting off the couch and exercising or those kind of things. And the second M is mouth. We have to learn to eat to live, don't live to eat. And the third one is get Mm -hmm. off our chairs or the sofas and move more. And that's what I've been doing for now 46 and a half years. I'm almost to my 47th anniversary of my diagnosis. And I started Mm -hmm. doing that and started realizing it all starts with the mind. That's what I tell my. I've always said when people offer me something that I know doesn't work for me and my disease, I just say, no, thank you. But in my mind, I say, I choose to live. I don't choose to die. And those kind of things really impacted my life. And for a great example, back to, let's go back a few decades ago to when I was a high school senior and all my friends, we'd all go to the pizza place after, you know, Friday nights, you know, after you go cruising down the streets or whatever you do. And all my friends were eating pizza. Well, that was one of the foods I was forbidden to eat back then. Again, it was a different kind of diet than it is now. And I would imagine. Of course, I'm using my mind. I would imagine mice running over the pizza using the restroom. And I would sit there in my Ah. mind and I'd say... Why would it? Why would anybody want to eat that nasty stuff? So whatever you're struggling with, donuts, cake, cookies, you imagine something like that and your life will change. You won't start eating that kind of stuff or you'll quickly stop eating it, which is why I have more energy now in my mid sixties than I even did in my thirties because I eat things to live and not to die. That's, that's exactly what I've been doing now for 46 years.
1: I hope you went back to visit that nasty doctor at some point.
2: (laughs) Well, I told him that you had
1: outlived his. He's dead, probably.
2: Yeah, he's he's dead. But it was such a
1: nasty thing to talk to. Terrible
2: thing. I know. But again, I looked at it as a benefit because if he'd have said, "You know what? It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay," I probably wouldn't have taken this disease so seriously because I didn't know anybody with diabetes. It didn't run in my family. I. I just was the fortunate one in my family to get it, but I just didn't want him to ever feel bad because it saved my life. I really truly feel to this day because I choose to be better and not bitter. I mean, that's what it's all about. And Mm -hmm. so he said, you'd never have kids. And I have two healthy kids and I'm a grandma and that's the most important thing to Uh me. But every decade since my 20th anniversary of my diagnosis, because I was only supposed to live 20 years and die with these horrible complications, I started doing something to celebrate my diagnosis. Again, it's a mindset thing. I choose to be better, not bitter. And for my 20th Mm -hmm. anniversary of my diagnosis, I did a 100-mile bike ride, uh, a race, and it was fun, no problems at all. And then for my 30th diagnosis anniversary, I actually did a triathlon, and I'm petrified of water But I do something every day that frightens me also. Eleanor Roosevelt, I loved her quotes, you know. And then Mm -hmm. as my 40th anniversary approached, I kept thinking, what am I going to do? I mean, I am in my late 50s at this time. What am I going to do? And I thought, hmm, go across the country. So I thought, okay, how do I do this? So I started kind of thinking, what could I do? And I loved a bike ride. And I thought, I'll go for a bike ride. So I left the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and ended up in New York City at the Brooklyn Bridge. Three thousand—that's <laughs> I
1: was—I was just gonna. My next question, of course, yes. was to ask you about your amazing bike ride, because I tell us more about what inspired you to ride that three thousand five hundred twenty-seven miles. miles.
2: Uh huh. And it's what was a, it like? Oh, it was the most incredible experience. I, I was planning on doing it a couple of years ago and then the pandemic hit. And I thought, no, not, not yet. So I may do it in the next couple of years again, because it was so much fun. It was hard. You know, I'm I'm a Texan. and Did someone go with you? Yes and no. We had to get an RV because when you have type one diabetes, you have to take insulin because without insulin I die and insulin has to be refrigerated and all my Mm. medical supplies. So my husband, he took a leave from his, career. And we bought a motorhome, an RV. And then we, every morning I would go on my bike and then he'd say, okay, where do you want to meet for lunch? And we'd have an idea. And then at lunchtime, we'd meet where we're going to have, you know, go spend the night that night, not the RV, because I was going to camp. And, you know, my husband's like, what are you going to do about your insulin? And I thought, Oh, I hadn't thought of that. So I wrote the whole thing by <laughs> myself, but then I had him in the lunchtime in the evenings to get together. And, you know, he always did the dishes. He cooked the meals. He went grocery shopping. He did everything. You know, it was just an amazing trip, but. Oh, what I a am great, great husband. Support I know. staff. I your know. Support I know. Staff. Yeah. It's amazing. And then it's talking about support staff. It was very easy for me. I mean, it, the mountains were just like nothing I had ever expected. I mean, I go to the mountains, but never riding my bike over three mountain ranges going across the country. But like the second or third day, I was I had just finished a, a TV appearance in Sacramento and I got a message, because I started doing this on social media because I wanted to provide hope, not just to celebrate mm-hmm. my diagnosis, but I wanted to help the kids that have the same disease that I have. Realize that nothing's impossible, and I got the sweetest message from one of the moms of her six-year-old daughter who had been fighting diabetes for several years. And wow. they went out and bought a map of the United States, and then she cut out a bicycle and cut out a picture of my head and had the oh. head attached. And then they they went my whole entire map across the United States, and I thought oh, you so know, lovely. And so she, it, it was easy for me to get on my bicycle because I kept thinking of this little girl the whole entire time. I would be like, I can do it. I can do it. Because when I was diagnosed, I didn't know anybody with diabetes, type 1 or type 2. But um, of course, we didn't call it back then. We called it juvenile and adult diabetes, which we changed all that to type 1 and type 2, except for my, Mary Tyler Moore. And she became my hero. And every time I would watch, you know, Mary Tyler Moore or something, I think of her throwing her hat up in the air. And I would always say, if she can do it, so can I. So I was trying to make it where this little girl and then all these other children that I met throughout talking at camps and hospitals and, you know, the parents would bring out to different meet, you know, they had like celebrations along the route Their people, you know, businesses and hospitals and organizations would have for for me to be able to speak to the kids and speak to the parents and so forth. the word so, really got yeah. out about your yeah. ride while you were yes. doing it. Yes. Yeah. Excellent.
0: How, how wonderful that you're able to inspire so many people, especially when you didn't have that support group. Congratulations. <laughs> I want well, to ask you, you about mm-hmm. weight management because there's a lot of people who are heavy. They don't have diabetes, but mm-hmm. after they gain a lot of weight, they become diabetic. So, can you talk about the key principles to weight management management for people who are not diabetic and for people who are
2: Yes, so not all people that are heavy develop type two diabetes what right. my di- diabetes is totally different mine 's an autoimmune disease type two i 'm not going to go into the specifics because that could be a whole entire six hours of boring medical stuff i'm not going to do that to y'all but what is it okay. is, is, is <laughs> everybody be taking a nap. Your listeners will be like, Oh, no. no. <laughs> but Ooh. what, what happens is once people become sedentary, when your mind starts making you think, I can't, I'm heavy. Or the doctor says you've got this horrible diagnosis or you have prediabetes. There's still so much hope out there because you get up off your couch or you get up off your chair. You don't have to ride your bicycle across the United States, but you can go for a walk. And this is a great example of a lady I met again in Sacramento. Sacramento was just an amazing place for me because I met some unique people. But this one young lady, she was probably in her early thirties, mid thirties. And she just happened to just say, Hey, I wish I could ride my bike across the city. And I said, well, I'm actually riding to New York city. And I was stopping, uh, was waiting for the light to turn green. And I just had that gut feeling, get off your bike and go talk to her. And so I went over and I just started talking to her and she was a sweetest lady, beautiful face, but she was morbidly obese. And she was telling me she was having to wait For her brother to pick her up and she only lived around the corner and she said it's humiliating and so i started talking to her the health coach and me came out and i said well do you think you could walk a couple you know buildings you know a couple houses down and she said no i can't and i said could you go next door she said i can't and then i said could you walk to the end of your driveway and just like that the light bulb she says i think i can bam that's what i needed so I told her, I said, walk to you into your driveway and rest. Don't make it a big deal. And then walk back. And then if you need a chair, put a chair out to rest and do that maybe once or twice a day for a couple of days and then start going further and further. And then by the time I was riding into New York City, I got a text message from her and she says, I'm so excited. I have to tell you, I just signed up for my first 5k walk. That's 3.1 miles. And this is the same lady who couldn't even walk like three houses to get from the bus stop to her house. And she said, what's shocking to me, Tracy, is that I didn't, you didn't even talk about weight loss. She says, the weight is coming off. She says, I really haven't changed anything until I started walking around the block a couple of times and I'd come home and I wouldn't want to eat the same kind of foods that I used to eat. And that's what started changing for her because you can't just exercise. You can't to get the weight off. And it's much more important to get your health under control with food, but our hearts, our bodies, our moods, energy, everything we need exercise. So then we started talking after the ride was over about, so what are you eating now? And then she said, well, I'm still struggling with a donut. And I said, okay, well, do you like apples? She's like, well, I'd rather have a donut. So I'm saying, replace one donut, I mean, with an apple, you know, just do things like that. But come to find out, which so many of us have the same issue, is she would drive the same place to work every day. She didn't have to take the bus anymore because she was able to get a driver's license because they wouldn't give her a driver's license because of her weight, which was so sad. But then she said, I'm driving by this donut shop every morning and I want to stop. And I said, change your direction. Don't go by that place. Change, reset always reset. We do that with our computers. So why don't we reset Uh our minds? So she just started making changes like that. Just, It's not like you have to go on a starvation diet. It's not like you have to give up everything you like to eat. But I practice 90-10. I eat healthy 90% of the time. And then 10% of the time I eat, everybody laughs when I say that, who knows me, my friends and family, because they're like, Everything you eat is healthy, but I eat things that aren't quite as healthy, but it's not like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, so many people say, oh, you know, goodness gracious, I just ate a hot fudge Sunday. I might as well just give it up. No, use next meal or next snack, just change it and don't worry about it. But the key for me and the key for so many of my clients is once you start drinking water, you think you're hungry. You're not always hungry. You're oftentimes dehydrated. So, drink a big glass of water and wait 15, 20 minutes and then see if you're still hungry. And if mm-hmm. you're still hungry, then you eat something. But it's amazing. I've had several of my clients who have pre diabetes and they never have, they don't have diabetes now because they just started following these same practices. And a couple other my diabetic, uh, type two diabetics, they actually are not even taking shots anymore. And now they're taking an oral medication and that's going to be coming off soon. Their doctors are saying, so it's not, we're talking two different types of diabetes type one, what I have, you cannot do anything. I mean, I'm my A1Cs blood test for people who don't know diabetes. My blood tests look like I don't have diabetes, but I take insulin all the time. So I have to do it that way. But the thing is though, Mm -hmm. for people that don't have diabetes or have pre-diabetes or type two diabetes, just a small minor adjustments in their lives and they can get off their medication slowly. It's not like, you know, a sprint. This is a marathon for everybody in life, but this is why I have more energy again in my sixties than I had in my thirties. And I just, I go and go and go. And, but I eat the right kinds of foods. And that's where uh-huh. I think it's to, to make, to answer your question in a long drawn out spiel. That is what it's answer. about.
0: Yeah, it's a great
1: answer. I want to ask you, you what are the keys that you would say to living a longer, healthier life? I know you speak on this topic, Mm -hmm. so give us some keys.
2: Everything I just mentioned, plus there's several more, you know, get around some good support people. That's so important. Hang around positive people because the more positive people you have in your life, the more activity you're going to be. Also, the more people that have strong social support are less likely to smoke cigarettes, have obesity. So that's why you want to be involved with a good group of people. Volunteer. When you realize it's not about me, but it's about others, it really impacts your longevity. I mean, there's research and research about this dan butner who wrote the blue zones i'm a huge fan of his oh, he talks I about these that. kind of things you know social support in my opinion especially as we age is critical. And that's why I'm involved with young ladies. I'm involved with, we're involved with couples. I get involved, you know, I hang out with people my age, older people, but I do multi-generational because I love hanging around some of my ladies in my neighborhood who are mamas of young toddlers and things like that. But then they bring me more energy, but then they, I can give them my grandma wisdom, you know, as they say to speak, you know, get Get a lot of vitamin D, get outside when it's, a, you know, when when it's, the weather's okay, because a lot of people are in the heat of summer or winter is too cold. But when you can get outside, especially in the morning and you walk, even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes or do what I do sometimes in my backyard, I just do a little bit of yoga. And now I am not a flexible person yet. I'm working on that. So I'm not like Mm -hmm. a yoga instructor or anything like that, but I get out there and do my stretches, but I do it in the sunshine in the morning because not only does that help me stretch it because flexibility is still the fountain of youth in my opinion, but it's also helps with our circadian rhythm, which helps us sleep better at night. So it's all as, you know, postmenopausal women like myself, you know, Everybody always says, oh, you can't sleep. And I'm like, well, I sleep like a baby every night. I don't have that problem, you know, but it's because of certain things like that. I never eat a meal after six o'clock. I drink lots of water. Like I said, I uh, put a little bit of uh, Celtic salt in my water in the morning just to get my cells nourished with water. What and is just, that
1: that you put in the water? What?
2: Celt- Celtic salt. It's just a healthier form of salt. It, there's no, um, it's, it's the pink salt, like Himalayan salt things like that Mm -hmm. you can get they sell them at some of the big box stores here in texas but you know the health food stores they all sell it and it's it's um i don't do the um the the bleach salt the white salt that's typically at you know restaurant tables that you know you put in there because that's just not what i do but i do himalayan or or celtic salt celtic salt's what we do because it's just a little bit better for us and what we need in our lives but anyway there's another product
0: out There's another product out there. It's called, it's by Highlands and it's called Cell Salts. And I take it every day. And Uh I don't know, I don't notice it, but I think I would if I didn't take it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us what your 3M formula is and why it's important.
2: And that's what I just spoke about mind, mouth, and mood. Yeah. Uh, You've got to have okay. the right mindset. And they they're kind, they're like cogs. And without the right mindset, you're not likely to eat healthy. Without the right mindset, you're gonna eat the wrong foods. Then you're gonna sit on the couch all night because you're too tired to get up and exercise. So all three work together. So the mind is the most important in my opinion, and most everybody's now, the researchers, but that's what changed my life at 17 was my mind and still makes me not eat those kind of foods that I want to eat. And then mouth, you've got to have the right foods in your mouth to live. And, you know, just good example with or without diabetes, you go out and have like pasta or something for lunch. And then two or three hours later, you go back to the office and you're sitting there almost asleep. You're yawning, your blood sugar spikes again, with or without diabetes, and then it crashes. And when you crash, that's when you become tired. So when you eat foods that maintain your blood sugar, again, with or without diabetes, it changes and you have more energy. And it's, I'm easy to say, because I wear a continuous glucose monitor, which measures my blood sugar every five minutes. And when I first got that about 15 years ago, I guess it was probably 15 years ago, I started seeing I was eating the typical American breakfast and my blood sugars would spike even though I was taking insulin. And then I would crash 1030 every morning. I was reaching for another cup of coffee and caffeine dehydrates you, which then makes you more thirsty. I mean, it's it's a bad it's a bad cycle. And then when I started doing what I went back to my researching hat and seeing what people around the world do and they eat salads and protein for breakfast, most people. Mm -hmm around the world, eat things like, you know, vegetables and things like that. And they don't eat that, you know, they might have eggs, but they don't eat all the junk that we eat. And then Mm -hmm. I started seeing not only did my blood sugar stable, but I also had more energy. And so when you do that and you start seeing what works for you, because I could have a twin who also has diabetes, but I don't have a twin or my sister does not have diabetes, but we could have the exact same thing. but. What works for me wouldn't work for her. Just like y'all. You know, what works for one of y'all may not work for the other one. So you gotta figure out what works for your body. Once you know what your body can handle and what works for you and doesn't make you lethargic, that's when things start changing. And I used to eat later in the day just because that's what our schedule allowed. And I started realizing I was starting to begin to have problems sleeping at night, but I was eating too big of a meal. So those nights that we do have to eat later in the evening we'll just do a quick protein shake or something with a little bit of kale or spinach in it. And then we'll have that for dinner. And then I sleep like a baby. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter, but you got to figure out what works best for you. And then again, move. You don't have to ride a bike across the country. You don't have to do yoga in your backyard. You don't have to rock around the block, but find what works for you.
0: I'd love to know what you actually recommend someone without diabetes should eat as a meal as not just as a meal as for like a day's plan.
2: I would do the same thing that the cancer people should eat, the heart people, the people with diabetes, every, and the people who want to live a longer, healthier life. What they need to eat is the same thing. Don't eat things that's processed. Stay away from processed food as much as you can. Eat things, you know, our grandmothers and great-grandmothers, didn't have the luxury of going into the grocery store and buying all these box things. And people were healthier. Yeah, we didn't live as long, but people were healthier then. So shop at the perimeter of the store and eat what you enjoy. I'm, I'm a big salad person, love salads, but other people don't. So what you want to do is find things that are healthy for you. For example, my husband, he loves asparagus. He'll eat asparagus at every meal, even for breakfast, but he doesn't choose to eat salad at every meal. So you just got to find what works best for you. But the same principle applies without diabetes is eat foods that help you and doesn't hurt you. And if you keep, I really recommend this, keep a food log and Mm -hmm. don't, it doesn't have to be forever, just a couple of weeks if you can do it. What you ate for breakfast? How did you wake up in the morning? Did you wake up with energy? Did you wake up before the alarm? What you had for breakfast? You know, did you snack? What'd you have in your coffee? Because there's a lot of unhealthy things people put in their coffees that put in a lot of calories. And then did you, you know, green tea? Green tea is one of the healthiest things you can put in your body. Drink a glass of green tea, you know, a cup of green tea if you like it warm. And then what'd you have for lunch? Did you have lunch? What'd you have for dinner? The times. Would you have a snack? And then do that throughout the whole day. What time did you go to bed? But keep tabs of how much water you drank, how much caffeine you drank. And then the next morning, how did you sleep? And you just continue to do that for 14. If you could do it 21 days, that's even better because you'll start seeing a pattern real quick and probably within five or six days, you'll start seeing a change. I started
1: tracking my, all my food, all my mm -hmm. meals, everything I'm putting in my mouth, on a tracking app that Mm -hmm. one of our other podcast guests told us about. Mm -hmm. And ever since I started tracking it, I'm eating much better because Mm -hmm. everything I'm eating, I'm the only one that sees it. Mm -hmm. I I would have to put it in that app, and then it's going to tell me the calories and all that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I just don't eat what I would have eaten before I was tracking. So I'm eating so well, and I've upped my protein a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was always eating good vegetables and stuff. But I love the idea of tracking. It's mm-hmm. really helpful. Mm-hmm. I really it, recommend it to everybody.
2: It's life-changing. It really literally is life-changing.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
2: once you see the changes, you're not going to want to go back. The uh, Granted, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. right there. The first four or five days, especially if you're an alter. Processed food person where you're eating a lot of processed foods. It's going to be, it's going to be hard because you will get sick, not sick, sick, but you'll start feeling bad because you're detoxing. But once you start getting rid of all that Mm -hmm. trash Mm -hmm. in your body and you start eating healthy and then you go and you have something at a birthday party or just a gathering or something, you start eating that. Then you go back and you think, Oh, I feel horrible. That's what I do when Mm -hmm. I eat pizza now. I I eat a pizza, you know, our grandkids love pizza and I give myself insulin for it. And I'm like, coming home, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. I knew better. I could have just had a salad, you know, but, you know.
1: Tracy, tell us why is diabetes reaching epidemic proportions?
2: Oh, it's um lifestyle. Uh type two, it's lifestyle. But what's even Uh scarier is type one is also reaching epidemic proportions. And now people people now the age back in the day to type one diabetics was usually diagnosed between eight and twelve years old. I at seventeen was considered an old person. I just met with a lady a couple of weeks ago who was 64 and just diagnosed with type one diabetes. And, um, a lot of it is environment because that attacks your, pan- you know, it, it's, you know, attacks your pancreas without going into a whole bunch of detail. So we're going to talk about type two because 95% of the world has type two diabetes and go back and look at pictures of, um, food, the plate sizes in the fifties and 60s mm-hmm. And then now look at the plate sizes now in the 2020 era, and you'll see the difference. And you see what kind of food that we're eating. You know, you go into the gas station when we were kids or when I was a kid, you go to the gas station, they'd pump your gas and you never wanted to go inside because they didn't sell anything. You know, It's just, they took your money. Now you go into the, you know, to, if you go inside to use the restroom or pay in cash or go inside for whatever reason, you're bombarded with all this trash. It's food. It's considered food and it's trash. It's better to go out in the dumpster than it is to eat that. And I'm joking. <laughs> Obviously I'm joking, but, but it is. But the oh, thing dear. is though, but that's what's happening to us. If you go back and look at pictures of the 70s of people, like on the beach, for example, where y'all live, you know, you see where the 70s era pictures and now today, just the difference in sizes. But, you know, yeah. the kids, its it starts with the kids. We have more children now being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which is Pathetic. But the more screen time these children are having, the more risk they have of developing type two diabetes. It's because mm-hmm. when we were kids, we were outside well, playing and the kids that aren't outside playing that are sitting around watching TV, playing video games. And there's nothing wrong with that, but everything in moderation. But that's Absolute. the epidemic, epidemic rise. Everything is Absolutely. because of what we're eating.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I walk every day and I live up by the Hollywood sign. And so Mm. I walk uphill and I see so many tourists up there. And I recall seeing one woman who was actually being wheeled on a wheelchair up a dirt path because she was so heavy. And I thought, Mm. oh my goodness, can this person even walk? And how sad for her that she can't enjoy the beautiful outdoors the way it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be enjoyed. So yeah, it's uh, it's frightening. Well, what can be done to reduce the diabetic risk factors?
2: Okay, again, back to my three M formula for sure. That's the number one mm-hmm. place to start. The three M formula, but know your numbers. Don't be afraid. You know, you can go to any kind of big box store and buy home blood testing machines for literally nothing. I mean, you buy their brand and test your blood sugars every once in a while, especially fasting. You can now buy an A1C blood test over the counter uh, it's in the pharmacy area. You have to ask a pharmacist for it, but you don't have to have a prescription. And an A1C blood test tells you what the average, it's average, your blood sugar is for three months. And that's the first indication. If you start seeing those numbers creeping up, then what you want to do is immediately Start changing your eating habits and start exercising and meditate. I mean, all these things reduce stress. That was one thing that I should have mentioned earlier for a living longer. Stress is rampant and you got to reduce the stress. So it's mm-hmm. just so many things. And I also have free resources on my website that that says this a whole lot better in just Word documents that says what you can do right now to stop anything. It doesn't matter because I was shocked one time, the uh, heart group wanted me to come speak to their, their big, uh, big speech for a heart association group. And I thought, I said, okay, I'd be glad to, but just FYI, I speak a lot on diabetes and they said, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, you just bring, we've heard you're a good speaker, just so bring your stories and blah, blah, blah. And I, that's the very first speaking event I had ever sold out of all my diabetes books. I mean, and I had a whole bunch with me that trip. And I was like, mm. I they asked the promoter or the event planner, I said, what's going on? And she said, every single thing you mention is exactly now what the cardiologists are telling their patients. And so it's not specific mm. to heart disease, cut out sugar, diabetes, cut out sugar, cancer for sure, cut out sugar. I mean, when we get rid of the sugar, and I don't mean cut out all sugars, but at least table sugar, you know, sweets and desserts and stuff like that. That's also a great way to start reversing diabetes and just start taking control of your health and having the right mindset saying, I can change it. It's so much fun for me to work with a client who says, my blood sugars are creeping up. My doctor says, I'm getting ready to have to go on medication. And he's like, the doctor says you can't do anything about it. And I'm like, if you can't do it, yes, I'll ref- you can. I'll ref- yeah, because I've always said, yeah, I don't want to work with you if I'll, I'll refund your money if you don't get the results you want. Cause I've never had wow. to do that because everybody gets and a- that's what well, I, I wanted
1: to ask you next about what inspired you to become a certified health and wellness coach.
2: Well, it started back at, which is funny at 17 because one of the days I got out of the ICU and I was in my own private room or shared room, and I had to go to a training and I had several men in there that were, I thought they were old. They were in their forties and they both had just been diagnosed with type two diabetes. And one of the men was saying, oh, I'm so, this is, my life is over. I hate this. I can't even have a birthday cake at my grandson's birthday party and stuff like that. And he was poor, poor pitiful (laughs) me. And I threw all this stacks of books that they give you to learn about all this. And I threw it down and I said, I'd give my right arm to be able to have a child. I'd have my right arm not to ever have to take a shot, but I don't have that luxury. And I walked out and the psychiatrist was like, are you okay? But that man came in that night and started asking me advice. What did you do? What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And he and I stayed in contact for several years. And then I, um, about, I don't know, a certified personal trainer back in 2002, I think it was when I became a certified personal trainer. And that's mm-hmm. when I met a lady that um, couldn't afford going to the gym that I worked at. She came for her free visit and she was a single mom, which is my hardest for single moms. And she was heavy, very heavy and needed some help. And so I started working with her and went to local high school track and just started doing some calisthenics and walking and stuff like that. And then she's the one that inspired me to go ahead and get certified because I wanted to help other people just like her. And then that mm-hmm. was that step. And then it just all started going to wellness coaching. And I thought, well, Tracy, it's not just working out. It's the whole entire body. So that's when I became a wellness coach. And then as I aged, when I started getting in my late fifties, I started thinking, hmm, I need to start thinking about how are we going to live longer, healthier lives, not just mm-hmm. healthier lives? So that's why that's the, that's kind of the journey mm-hmm. I've taken over the decades.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah well i can see how that that ha- that would have worked for you and, and maybe being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes was a blessing in disguise it certainly set you on yeah. your life path even though it, yeah. it isn't fun exactly but you mentioned the two choices before bitter mm-hmm. and better is that right yes how, correct how does that impact health for everybody oh
2: Positive mindset is so important. And I'm not one of these fluffy people that says, oh, sit there and say, life is great. Life is great. And it's not. You know, if you're having a major problem, it's not. But I'm a firm believer. Every day I read something inspirational. Every day. And then I listen to inspirational podcasts. I listen to music that lifts me up. Because all of that stuff is so important. Because we can let things happen that's going on in the world really quickly. Create havoc for us, you know. It can mess with our minds, and that's a great example. When I went on my bike ride, I say my bike ride. I I just call it my bike ride. <laughs> Your like, bike ride, more than a bike ride. But I, um, <laughs> what was so funny though was that I left feeling like, uh the country's going. You know, it's it's a horrible spot. Everybody's horrible. Nobody likes each other. And I met some of the most nice people throughout my journey. Somebody stopped and a construction worker and gave me her last or uh, I guess it was road construction, her last bottle of water. And I just happened to look and she said, no, darling, this is for you. You keep spreading your message. And I thought, you know, people honking their horns saying you can do it. I stopped in a little town in Nevada and um, I was just sitting there trying to decide what I was going to do. And cause I got lost throughout my whole entire journey, but that's another story. But, um, she came hmm, up and fine. she said, she said here, I just felt like I needed to bless you with this food and just gave me food to eat. And I thought, wow, I had a flat tire and a guy just showed up out of nowhere, had the supplies he needed, fixed it, and then gave me a bunch of water. I mean, just things like that. The whole entire trip was exact, that exact, I was just afraid a couple of times I rode through some very, very dangerous areas of the country and that was scary, but I kept going just thinking I can do it, I can do it. But you know, you can't ever lose hope. And I think that doctor, he instilled in me saying, you have no hope. You know, basically he didn't say that. That's the way I took it from what he told me was going to happen. And I thought without hope, we have nothing. So we can't lose hope. Whatever you're struggling with, I don't care if it's age. I don't care if it's a diagnosis. I don't care if it's a financial crisis, whatever it is, just realize, okay, what can I do this very day? What, or if you can't even think about the day, what can I do this very moment To make my life better just right now. And then you start seeing, oh, okay. And then small steps. It's not like you go out and ride your bike across the country. And it's not like you go start eating perfectly healthy all the time or say, I'm going to be positive the rest of my life, but small steps equals big changes. And that's what, when I left on my bicycle ride in San Francisco, Golden Gate Bridge, if I would have known I had that far to ride, I would have been overwhelmed, and who wouldn't have? But every day, I got on my bike and I said, "I'm going for a bike ride," just like I did How when I was How many miles a kid. did you
1: do each day? Do you think
2: if that, that varied? I, I have a—you should yeah. see my spreadsheet because it was fun. But every day, because I did so many TV appearances and speaking, and we also shot a documentary, so it varied. But for Wyoming, is a great example. I could only go 76 miles because that was the next rest stop. So I actually rode Interstate 80. So I'd go from one rest stop, and I'd go to 76 miles to the next rest stop, and then 76 wow. miles to the next rest stop. That's a, a couple lot. of times, I went a 100 miles. I wanted to go further those days. I was in Nebraska and Iowa, and I couldn't because we had to have a place to park the RV. And so because of the RV, that kind of limited me, which if I'd have had a tent, then I would have been able to just yeah, sleep on the side of the road. You
1: did it the right way. Yeah. So,
2: well, I was- wouldn't be here talking to you if I hadn't. <laughs> Yeah. Tell us
1: a couple of things. Tell us what is the longevity movement? I think you, you coined that phrase. And also, what would you like our listeners to have today as their main takeaway?
2: Okay, longevity movement. Credible story. We were with a group of friends, probably eight different couples, and every single person was our age or maybe a little bit younger, and they were all complaining about their aches and pains. They can't. They kept saying, I can't. Ugh. I can't. I can't. And I kept thinking, I, I there were friends, so I keep my mouth shut, you know, and I'm just like, hey guys, let's don't be the I can't group. Let's be the I can group, you know, but, the, and I started saying, so on the way home that night, my husband and I were like, we're not going to be those kind of people. We're not. So we met a couple the first time we hiked a uh, backpack to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. We met a couple who was 84 and 86 and they hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back out twice a year. And then we just did the Grand Canyon in May. Twice twice a year. And my husband and I just did it in May this year again for the third time. And we hiked to the bottom with a backpack on with our tents and our water and everything and then hike back out. And that's what the movement's all about is whatever you want to do, don't give up thinking I'm old, like sitting on a rocking chair. I have I'm, I'm 80. I have to sit in a rocking chair. No, you don't. You can go, you can go play tennis. You can go do whatever you want to do. You can go shopping. You can go dancing. That's what the movement is all about is spreading, spreading hope and the message to people like our age and older that, Hey guys, you can do whatever you want. Don't resign to being I'm old. It's always going to be this way because it's not. You can do things right now, even if you have bad joints, even if you had bad shoulders like I did. I mean, you know, you can do things to make yourself better. And it all starts with a three M formula. I mean, that's what it is. But I just get so upset with people. I have a friend who's 40 and she's only 40. And she's like, I'm so old. And I'm like, no, oh, I have kids no. your age. I have kids <laughs> your age. No, you know. So that's where that's what it's all about. The movement is just providing hope and tools to help people realize that they can take control of their health no matter what. That I is great. love Our that. That is great. great.
0: Thank Our you takeaway. so much, Tracy. This is just inspiring, uplifting, and filled with hope. And I've, I'm inspired. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Tracy Herbert author, speaker, wellness coach, podcast host. You can find out all about her coaching and her books on her website, tracyherbert.com. Thank you so much again. I so appreciate your being with us. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks. And we want to ask,
1: you're you're so welcome on our podcast. It was such a welcome. You're such a breath of fresh air. I know why you speak -hmm. speak at a lot of Places. We want to ask our listeners to check out our YouTube Late Boomers podcast channel and please subscribe. We need some subscribers there. Also, please give us a five star review on your favorite platform and you can DM us on Instagram or you can drop us a line at lateboomers.biz, B I Z. And we are on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington, at I am Mary Elkins, and at Late Boomers. We always strive to inspire, entertain, entertain, and motivate you. Thanks again, Tracy.
2: Thanks. It was so much fun.
1: Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.com is. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com.
0: This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.